0: This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Horse. Hello and welcome to the third installment to the Caffeinated Comedian Podcast. This is a bit of a side branch project from the Drunken Comedian Podcast. Uh, in the normal podcast, I interview a comedian whilst having a couple of drinks and it's quite a relaxed chat, but there's some times, uh, where uh, either comedians don't drink, or it would, we're in a situation where we're not really allowed to drink, or uh, for whatever reason, um, we drink coffee or just a soft drink instead, and that is the cafe comedian. But we have a very special episode here today, something I'm really, I'm very excited to bring to you. It's a very cool episode, and well, it's cool because we don't necessarily have a comedian on this episode. In fact, we have uh, someone even more special, and that is Dr. Sophie Quirk. Dr. Sophie Quirk, she's a lecturer at the University of Kent, and um, she teaches stand-up comedy. Uh, She has a PhD uh, within stand-up comedy. She's also brought out a book called Why Stand-Up Matters. So her specialism is in stand-up comedy, and when I did my master's Degree at the University of Kent. She was one of my lecturers, uh, so I know her quite well, and I thought I would get her onto the podcast just to talk to her uh, about her views on comedy and um, her her wisdom from it, Uh, because she's only done a handful of gigs, but she's more of a, uh, as we discussed in the podcast, she's more of an analyst as opposed to a performer. And I thought it would be an interesting take to kind of see what her perception of comedy was as well. And it's, it really turned out to be a really lovely interview. Um, we do chat in our office and there's a couple of people outside in the summer soaring at hacksaws. But you know, it's better than seagulls, isn't it? But yeah, it's a really cool episode. We talk about um, stuff at the University of Kent. Um, my degree in, uh, and she also teaches drama as well uh, and that's how I got to know her initially because I did my drama degree at the University of Kent drama and classics um, if you must know and on top of that um, and also just talk about people like Oliver Double who was one of the first people to get a PhD in sound up comedy and it's, it's it's really like it's a bit of a different dynamic than usual um, and but I think this is a really important podcast because uh, instead of just having comedians giving their take this is r- literally an an expert in the field but it's a different part of the field as well and but i, I won't keep you for too long this is a bit of a longer episode than usual but i i, I was gonna break it up into a couple of parts but i think um it's worth just listening to it in a single uh, batting but do enjoy this is dr sophie quirk and it's obviously with your host matt hoss and here we go Caffeinated comedian, caffeinated comedian. Yeah. we coming this from the podcast, uh, and uh, and uh, the the one I've just released, this uh, podcast episode is also um, uh, another guy. Uh, again, it's a left wing people just trying to give like alternative mm-hmm. views, and it's good to kind of have critical thinking because that's mm-hmm. what is necessary nowadays. Uh, but again, it was—it got slightly anti-immigration. I was like, mm, do I need to edit that part out? But uh, yeah. there was also it did lead to a very good point there. So, uh, yeah. well,
1: so I had the same difficulty looking at interviews but for like there's some things that you definitely feel you should do when you're sort of you know writing a book or whatever and you're putting in yeah what a comedian said you sort of think, well, what I should definitely do is if they've just used the wrong word yeah. or said something kind of inarticulately, I should definitely yeah. tidy that up. So make it clear that, that I've done something, but mm-hmm. I don't put in the wrong word and make yeah. them just look a bit silly. But then there's an extent to which you sort of think, well, I, I have to be selective about what I'm saying they've said. yeah. But you don't want that to get to the point that you're misrepresenting what they actually yeah. meant either. So yeah. you can kind of obviously you would never tidy up in a way that sort of supported your argument because you're sort of thinking well they might feel in, in retrospect that they didn't want to have said that yeah know, that kind of suspicion <laughs> then are you being honest if you're editing that out or not be because really you don't
0: want to put yourself in there but uh, you, you wanted mm. them to kind of but you, you do want to improve their work yeah so that, yeah that's um uh, that must be quite a hard balance because uh, what i found interesting uh, I, part of my undergraduate degree was um, uh, Classics, and we, we, it was a single seminar on it, but it really stuck with me. It was a seminar on um, like translation and translation of text, and it's a, it's a kind of similar kind of thing. It's like, uh, well, there's different types of translation, and it, it, every translator has to do their own thing, but it's, you have to get, um, get the balance of, is it true to the text, or is it true to the yeah. like, modern kind of thing? Uh, and I found that interesting as well, um, but... Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's something I've never told to anyone before. It's just that uh, just been a nerdism in yeah. my mind.
1: <laughs> but I mean, it is a really interesting discussion. You're right. It's, it's things like, the things that give me pause before I would sort of merrily publish them are um, where someone's talking about someone else, or very particularly where they're talking about something like an agent or a broadcaster or a mm-hmm. club, so I had a... a well-known comedian who had said really scathing things about a particular venue. Okay, yeah. Both of which they remain nameless for yeah, the guys. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, this is a bitch and show. Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> I mean, they, they, what that venue had done um, to that comedian was really d- stupid for yeah. a venue that what they'd done is basically sabotage their show by moving them from a small space into a bigger one for the oh. sake of selling a few more tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, without really consulting them and generally um, I think it's not handled to the audience well so yeah. these were the sorts of complaints that the comedian was bringing up um, so when I published that I kind of wrote to the comedian and said I suspect you would rather either you or the venue or both with Anonymous mm-hmm. um, can you let me know what you think and it being classic about comedians not to be the most on top of... Yeah. You know, well, yeah. actually, no, I think people are on top of their emails, just think, understandably, my emails are not that uh, not important in a busy inbox. Um, they got back to me after the thing was published and said, oh, no, you can say what you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but by that point, I'd already anonymised them yeah. and oh. I continued to do so because that decision had been made.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a great use of the word anonymised, by the way. That's uh, that I've never heard that used before. That's cracking. It. hope it
1: is a word. Yeah, it is a word.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't throwing doubt it's at you. <laughs> like...
1: Oh no, I do. I do. Uh use the odd word that
0: probably doesn't exist but because you, uh, cause you're a doctor uh, do you kind of like do you like to feel like you can throw in like kind of words like, y- you just vibe with it but you <laughs> think it probably could work do you reckon do you do that occasionally like uh, just
1: like befuddle people if I make up words like befuddle that's no meta. one's going to ask me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: it's, it's like, like excuse word. me uh, who's a doctor yeah. I'm a doctor uh.
1: um, do you know if I if I ever sense people don't like to yeah. I think like that overestimates the amount of respect you get for having got that <laughs> forward
0: Well I respect um, you a lot, but that might just be me, yeah.
1: And in the rare occasions yeah. that you do come across somebody who really respect it. Um, I think it's it's horribly uncomfortable to feel that you get to waive any kind of intellectual prowess yeah. because of it. Um, and yeah, actually the academic world being my life, I spend most of my time around people who are as qualified or more qualified, mainly more qualified. For me, because I'm really early career, really as mm-hmm. a bit word for junior. Yeah. Um. It, what we tend to do is be really pedantic. Yeah. About yeah. <laughs> other people's things. Yeah. So uh, my my favourite thing to try and do is yeah. um, There's a joke that's nicked from Jonathan Creek where you say um. I'll stop going with so much. Um. Stop. Yeah. Stop your pedanticism and hope that the person corrects you and says pedantry. Yeah. <laughs> <But> that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As a colleague, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, well, welcome to the podcast. It's really uh, great oh, to have you me. on, Dr. Sophie Quirk. Uh, and uh, but yeah, so um, it's uh, as we mentioned, you have a, a PhD in uh, stand-up comedy. And um, mm. so, uh, well, when did you? Um, how do you find getting the the process of having uh, such a, a unique degree as well because it's mm. obviously quite a weird thing. Uh, I have a masters in it and uh, people always always ask me you can get a masters in that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's it's yeah. Like, uh, and mostly my parents are like just very disappointed. But uh, uh, it's um yeah, so how do you find like people react to a, 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 a doctorate in stand up comedy? Uh, are they usually quite mm. understanding or is it like uh, is it kind of bewildering? Yeah, it
1: depends on the person. I think when I was Doing it, and it, at the time that I was actually doing, it was like studying for my PhD, so that's between about 2007 and 2010, um, I think maybe it was more unusual to study comedy as an academic than yeah. it is now, I think now it's a bit more usual.
0: Definitely.
1: Um, and there's more university courses and things, so, um, academics tend to be a bit less kind of affronted yeah by it. yeah um but definitely when I was studying and to an extent still when I tell people what I do for a living um you get you yeah you sort of get a sense that they think you're just sort of doing it for fun which I mean yeah everybody <laughs> yeah. loves their research area anyway, yeah. but it's it's actually not so much what I would t- t- do with my spare time particularly towards the end of my PhD I could not watch comedy on television yeah. Um, because it was work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously, even now, if I like go to, I, I, I feel less allergic to uh, <laughs> looking at comedy in my spare time than I did towards the end of my PhD. But I can't but think of going to a comedy gig as being on some level of work activity because I know I'm going to have to sit down and write notes about what I saw in case I one day want to refer back to it. Yeah. Um, something that really stuck with me as well um, there was a comedian who actually said to me in writing, in an email, Yes, I'm happy to be interviewed for your PhD thesis, but I think you should be doing something more useful for yourself and the world.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's a horrible email yeah, to get in. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, really, he's a really nice guy because he, he, he didn't mean anything like that. Yeah, I, yeah, and so actually, after I'd interviewed him, I explained to him that what I was looking at was the, the political influence of stand-up comedy and that seemed to him to have legitimacy (laughs) as an area of investigation so that was that's always been a really interesting thing I think you have to but I I imagine it's true of of people studying anything um, and particularly in the arts is Mm -hmm. that either what you do is so obscure or its value to the world is not immediately obvious I think every researcher spends some of their time explaining to people why it is that they spend their time analysing stand-up comedy or uh, the Ulysses, yeah, or um, working out how cells divide, yeah, or you know, under particular circumstances, yeah. So, I think everybody has to put that kind of explanation in,
0: yeah. And uh, but the thing is, um, like the the art of uh, stand up is so fascinating as well, like, well, just comedy as a mm. whole. Like, I, I remember when I was um. But when I started university uh like i went in uh, I was kind of looking to be an actor or something like that I didn't really mm-hmm. think comedy well i I thought I was always quite funny, but nothing I never thought of being a comedian um but uh, then I saw um uh, on the first day, uh, Ollie, uh, was, it was a drama introductory lecturer. Uh, mm. It was in the Golbenkin Cinema, and uh, Ollie Double was doing a chat, and he was talking about masters in stand-up. and stand up. I was like, What? You can do that here? And then, <laughs> then the three and a half pints uh, like a mini mm. performance, uh, and I was like, Oh my god, that's a real thing. I chatted to him afterwards, I was like, Can, can you do mm. comedy around here? Can I do it? it like, and then, uh, it was Robin here, and he was like, It kind of came on a bit strong. He's like, Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god. And I fantasized about doing comedy later there for the next couple of years um uh, so were the
1: three half point students here when you were a student there must have been they
0: uh, they were doing the fourth year uh, they were doing the first year yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact um before i think before the introductory lecture or it might be it might be oh i think it was after there was like a um there was like a drama kind of party like a, a freshers mm. party and uh uh, Thomas Jacob Ewells mm. and uh, Sandy Wardrop did uh, like, a miniature stand-up performance and that was like one of the funniest things I ever saw and, that, and that's why I went to a Monkey Shrine and mm. uh, it blew my mind as well. Mm. Uh, but the point is that I, um, from that I started reading about stand-up and uh, I read all these books and I just... Uh, I, I read um, like uh, just so much about the theory and I just found it fascinating about like yeah. uh, the, the the art behind making people laugh is, uh, and the mechanics of it as well mm. is always fascinated me as well and that 's why I love like uh, the to Comedian podcast because it really dissects everything as well so I think it's uh, it 's always a valid thing as well and it 's always good to be a nerd about something I think because it means you 're passionate about a certain thing but.
1: yeah it 's interesting I think comedy in terms of other Forms of performance. I mean, something like um, dance, say, has a obvious craft and technique. Yeah. You know, you can say you, you can know when your feet are in fifth position or not know when your feet are in fifth position, yeah. and, and those sorts of sort of procedural knowledge. And I think stand up has a layer of that. It's it's kind of more akin to something that has a, a technical craft than um, some of the more kind of free flowing. devised work so I think it's stand up is is a form where it's easy to pin down something and say okay that's craft that's understanding how this thing ticks yeah of course I'm referring to things um in which I have no expectation I mean, that my colleagues uh, see. You said fifth step,
0: yeah. that's pretty... Uh, I, I know down. there's
1: a yeah. fifth position
0: yeah. Did I say fifth step? Uh, oh, no, no, I, no, I think true. I... I, I, <laughs> really, I think I was just so uh, caught up with the dance thing, uh, yeah. uh, so I forgot. Yeah. But, my I bad. for
1: clarity, I would not understand if my feet were in fifth position or not. Uh,
0: fifth but. position sounds like a musical we could write, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so uh, when did you start getting interested in uh, stand-up comedy? Um...
1: I think I've obviously sort of enjoyed it from from kind of teenage years when I started watching it. I remember um, my mum not being keen on me watching Joe Brand's TV series. Oh. <laughs> she thought it was inappropriate, I've been, oh, probably still in primary school Oh, that was broadcast. That's my earliest memory of watching stand-up. Oh, really? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I must have seen other things before that. Yeah, but Paul Merton had a series that yeah. I really liked as well. I can't remember the timelines on that, um, but okay, it's a proper serious, interesting stand-up. I think, like you, I um, came to it through um, university, yeah, um, and yeah, particularly through Ollie Doubles modules. I think he's um, he's really formed that as a as a scholarly field,
0: yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, I became I did I did the um, undergraduate module, which was a bit different to what it is now so now yeah. students uh, produce their own stand-up and probably you, if you did the module yeah that's what module, you yeah. did so yeah. you, you spent like six weeks in seminars and six weeks yeah. developing yeah. your own stand-up six work.
0: weeks learning about like uh, the ideas of stand-up and then six weeks performing um, yeah yeah well learning to perform uh yeah, uh, and then uh, you... But that's actually not what, yeah.
1: not what it was in my... Uh, and, and in my <laughs> day. In my
0: day. I was like,
1: actually, I did the popular performance module. So that's the module that you do in second year as opposed to the standard module, which is a third year one. Uh-huh. And um, you'd, you look at a particular historic form of performance. And in the year that I did it, you did punk. And for the final show, where everyone kind of chooses a thing they've done on the module to perform... I wanted to uh, play guitar, I think. I think I'd formed a band with some girls in the class, and I was awesome. going to play guitar. But the class's reaction to the idea of me playing a guitar in their show, bearing in mind I had only started learning for the module and had been as slapdash with that as all my I, other musical instruments. I was totally.
0: going to ask, like, how long <laughs> you Awful, being... I was yeah. awful. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, so yeah, the the class sort of said, oh no, why don't you do your talking instead? So I did a spoken word piece that um, that, that looked very much like stand up, um, and yeah, that was the start of me thinking, oh, you know, this is something that isn't just alien and scary, and something that other people do. Yeah. This is something that I could do and be interested in. Um,
0: do you know what that um, that initial the poem was about. Was it just about you? Was it? Uh, what was the? Well, I did. Okay, so yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't a poetry. act, It, that, was, uh, a, uh, it was a ranty. Okay, so, oh out. sorry, that's what I'm
1: I meant to I do remember what it was about. So um, important context for this is that my dad was a minister of religion.
0: Oh really? Um, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So what? And in a in a kind of not a, in kind of a Church of England sort of big organisation, it was quite a small marginal um, kind of christianity yeah um, and quite traditional and there was there was a kind of strong beat of um traditionalism and conservatism um within the church but probably not within the congregation i grew up in who were sort of cambridge and a bit more liberal mm-hmm. um probably not liberal by anybody else's standards so you know <laughs> by my current standards um But I had found during a big church clear out, I'd found this leaflet in um, in amongst kind of a display case that like no one had opened in years and years and years, and it was about how um, how pop music i have actually been referring to rock music. Clearly, the people writing the leaflet had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it was about how dangerous uh, modern music is. Because of things like um, oh yeah, I actually had a subheading "Beware the beat" because <laughs> what the beat does is it uh, kind of gets under your skin and uh, causes you to lower your inhibitions. And basically, if you listen to pop music, particularly in the context of being out with other young people, okay, uh, yeah. this will lead to sin uh. Uh, in ways it didn't like to specify, but were quite clear. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was it was it was about uh, crazy. Um, christian conservatism and fundamentalism and also oh, there was something about so i'm trying to remember it now um, yeah. <laughs> it was there was something in it about um the kind of stories about if you played records backwards that oh you got yeah the satanic yeah. messages um and uh, I think I'd also found something that was about how Santa Claus was clearly the devil. And well, one of the reasons that Santa Claus was clearly the devil is that his name is Santa Claus. Yeah. Like, Claus.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, also, uh, Santa is an anagram of Satan as well, so... Like, you could have I'm not that. sure
1: they've been smart enough to spot yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I had sort of... I'd written an email to some of the sort of organisations or individuals who had put this stuff out there, kind of saying, you know... I'm really concerned. and Oh, I think I'd also said that um, that some of the evidence they have for Santa Claus, like one of the reasons he was linked to the devil in this article I'd found was um, that he wore red. (laughs) And so, and I kind of said, um, like, it basically built up to if they were. I said, I'm a little bit concerned that Coca-Cola might be promoting Satanism. Yeah, and And uh, they've never responded to this. People obviously (laughs) never responded to my stupid email.
0: And the entirety of Manchester United Football Club—they are totally uh, just promoting sin. uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just uh, anyone wearing (laughs) red, you know, it's just, uh, it's just bad. in uh, fact, uh, my dad he he um, he hates Manchester United, and um, on a different line, uh, he hates Manchester United, and he loves Leeds Football Club. Uh, and as a child, he wouldn't allow me and my brother to wear anything red whatsoever. If we wore something red, he out the house. So mm-hmm. that's a fun fact. Uh, uh, slightly different. I think it's a different kind of like a, 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 a faith, I believe. Just a very, yeah. uh, you know, uh, faith. Drives people to do very odd things, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. So uh, you uh, you did this spoken word piece, and
1: uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm going to brush over the fact that I then did some public gigs because there weren't many of them.
0: Oh and, yeah. Oh no. Let's take let's take down. <laughs> yes. Have okay. yeah. So I how, had a, did you like
1: did? a ten gig, very unglorious stand up career over the course of about two years. Yeah. I think what I arrived at was the fact that I didn't really like doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> was, that was the upshot. So it was you know some were alright, some were bads. Very, very kind of normal first 10 gigs, I think, but yeah. Um, but yeah, didn't decided in the end that I didn't really like it. I liked analyzing it, mm-hmm. um, and hence I'm an academic who teaches and writes about stand up, yeah, doesn't actually do it.
0: So, what kind of material did you talk about over those like 10 gigs? Because uh, I, I, I would be. I would love to see you do a stand-up gig now. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Like, it would be amazing, because you'd be like, hey, guys, this is a lot like uh, Arthur Costler's little... Uh, 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 yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm just
1: stopping to Adelaide Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you, you pause the gig, put the mic down, get a pen out, and do like a lecture on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think
1: it's really interesting when students say that, people, or people in your case have been my students, yeah. say that, because you've all seen me give a lecture, and I'd say that... Apart from the fact that the purpose of a lecture, or the very important and fundamental fact that the purpose of a lecture is different to the purpose of a stand-up gig, it's really, I think, quite a similar yeah. process of putting you know, putting stuff together and trying to communicate things and trying to bring enough energy to it to keep people with you. Yeah, definitely. Have them listen to what you're saying. So um, I think you'd probably, especially if... Uh, I, I never did analyze a gig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> analyze a... Uh, and joke midway yeah. through a set or anything, but especially if I did do that, yeah. like you've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, I, th- I think I I used to do that quite a lot um, when I was on the on the masters course because like, I watched a couple of videos of Daniel Kitson and he would do that and it's like well I must be Daniel Kitson and then uh, I would <laughs> I would do that and it would work sometimes but um, mm. never mind but uh, but yeah, so uh, you, you mentioned uh, what what I'm fascinated is. Um, like the, the differences and similarities between like performing a lecture and uh, stand up. But you mentioned a couple of similarities. But are there mm. any other uh, things that you kind of had transferable skills in?
1: Um, interestingly, I was trying to get my cohort right. So I think the yeah. year before you did stand up, there yeah. was a student who actually looked at teaching and stand up in a way related. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah, ideas. And that's a really, really interesting area. And yeah, see it's like confirmation bias. And as soon as you think, I have lots of stand-up spin teachers, of course, there's a massive list of people. Yeah, who have yeah. Their teachers occurs to you, and you know, the even more massive list of people who haven't.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Doesn't. Yeah.
1: But I think there, I think there <clears> are, <throat> points of crossover there. So. I mean, one thing is about organising your information.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: a good yeah. comedian organises their information in a way that the audience <laughs> follows it, gets it yeah. set up, and then the punchline and stuff. And um, good teaching is very much like that. It's understanding where someone is and trying to move them along to to another point of understanding. And in a way, every joke does that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it's, it's the general like, sort of stuff about um, performing. So a lecture is. Much like a stand-up gig, looking at a room and thinking, "Okay, that person's yeah. you know about to fall off their chair, yeah. slumber." <laughs> um you know though the, well it's it's more sensing the energy of a room so you yeah. know has everyone come in a little bit um miserable or uh-huh, deflated yeah. is every is the energy in this oh, room actually wow. a bit yeah. too high for me yeah. to yeah. get yeah. All these good, people yeah. listening that's
0: fascinating because like uh, obviously uh every gig's different so i guess every lecture must be different as well even if it's mm. the same it, it, like a year later you're doing the same um like r- routine mm. uh uh but uh, you have to kind of pitch it to that kind of audience. Yeah. That's, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah,
1: definitely. And I think um, it's interesting that you mentioned that for you, quite a, quite an important performance was um, Ollie and the Three Half Pints talking to you in the, um, the what's now the Goldbankian Cinema mm-hmm. um, as a lecture space because that's an awful space yeah, to try yeah, and communicate with students. Yeah, it's very
0: wide as well. Uh, it's
1: wide. The, the, the students are far away. Yeah. The seating is... Um, I think, yeah, it was comfortable by by the time yeah. we were here. I think yeah. <laughs> it wasn't always, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. you know. It's, it, but yeah. comfy easy isn't necessarily the best way of keeping people active. Yeah, you definitely. know, you don't want your students to be uncomfortable. We definitely. definitely have had spaces that are like that, but yeah. If people can be too passive and also too far away from one another, if you want a discussion, a small discussion, mm-hmm. um, normally in a lecture theatre, if you just want people to talk to the people around them, they talk to maybe the the, the, the person next to them and the person on the other side of that and mm-hmm. maybe the people behind or in front of them. And the kind of tall seating that we have in that space yeah. that's also quite wide and has arms doesn't enable you to get very far in any direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the main thing that's really killer about doing a lecture in there and i think in in your day that we had um text for theater in the oh yes
0: yeah that's that's where i did mine yeah
1: yeah and and those were quite long lectures um and it was just really difficult to try and just kind of push out to the people at the back or even the people in the front row yeah just so far away (laughs) i
0: I remember because um it's a very long room, and the lecturer is, um, is at the back of the uh, left-hand side doing uh, the the, uh, the lecture, and I used to be sat on the far right, uh, uh, like I am politically now, uh, no, joking, uh, I'm not a racist, uh, uh, <laughs> um, but I would be sat really far away, and um, I would be that, I'd be very relaxed, and I wouldn't really care um, too much about what was being said, because I wasn't engaged with it whatsoever, mm. but... Uh, but that's why I, I love the seminars because, like, uh, particularly the text theatre seminars because you were my seminar leader as well, uh, and uh, and it was just it brought it kind of brings everything together because people can chat and engage in discussions, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about um, in, uh, in regards to stand up and lectures, have you ever been heckled in a lecture before? Like,
1: yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. I don't think ever in any way that it wasn't good natured. So in lectures, there's the convention that. Um, at any point, you can put your hand up and ask a question. So, yeah. I guess like, you, can't, really, you yeah. can't call that well, just, That's more of a question yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, people kind of chipping in with their own sort of uh, joke or commentary on what's been said in a really kind of good humoured way, yes. And I mean, that's, that's really lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that. And again, a, a well designed, well, I don't say well designed lecture space because, in many ways, the cinemas are. For some things, it's brilliant. I mean, film lecturers obviously want to be in there. Yeah. Um, But a a really nice space enables everyone else in the room to hear what another student has said and and all that kind of thing. Um, Whereas that kind of long, thin, high-ceilinged, miles-back seating that's ridiculously raked to cope with high chairs and the rest of it, if a a student comments, you have to repeat what they've said for anyone to hear it, and that's quite clunky. Yeah. Um, when what you're trying to have is a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't remember ever. I don't remember any specific instance of being heckled, but I definitely know that people will chip in mm-hmm. um, and say their own sort of funny things in a lecture, <laughs> definitely.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had to, uh, if people are chatting or on the phone, have you ever had to put them down? It's like, hey, hey, <laughs> dickhead, we've uh, like, we done that in the lecture. Have uh, you ever put them down?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's mercifully kind of... Um, rare i think um to get a bit mean it always strikes me as a really bizarre behavior to come to a lecture and i mean to be on your phone because yeah, uh, yeah. not. i mean that that strikes me as odd i think anyone even if they even if they happen to find this particular lecture not very engaging i would have thought anyone should just have the attention span yeah, to be yeah. able to sit through an hour talking yeah. um <laughs>
0: Oh, but it, but increasingly,
1: that's not the case. Yeah, oh,
0: it's certainly, no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. What I
1: think is really bizarre behaviour is where people are talking to one another and generally being disruptive. And yeah, I mean that's a behaviour I would always want to address. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can happen again in a really badly designed room is that you become aware very late in the day that there's someone being disruptive, disruptive in, a, in a far yeah. corner of it. Mm. But you, but you can see, the things you can see, people sort of reacting around it. So I have sometimes had students who believe that I think they're taking notes on their phone.
0: Okay. And you sort
1: of say, well, but I'm watching your index finger move yeah. from the bottom of your screen to the top. Like, I know that you're scrolling down Facebook. Yeah, I, exactly. I can and also if you're turning to the person next to you. Yeah, and and showing them something and you're both laughing. I yeah. mean, I know that that's.
0: <laughs> hey, check out Tarkovsky, isn't cool, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: not that's not anything to do with what I do right now. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I have had to address those things, but again, I probably I think what I d- would never want to do is address it in a kind of um, slam down about. Oh or yeah, or that'd be too. Uh, uh, I so was joking earlier Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, so but but it is it is a different oh, thing. Yeah. So, um, you know, is it. As a comedian, I think it would be too brutal to, to turn to someone and say you're right. Do you need me to help you or something? That that it, I find a yeah. really effective.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Like, Are you okay? Yeah.
1: And the person kind of looks scared, at the phone. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, and, but also it's a genuine question. Yeah, if something's yeah. not all right, I want to know about it. Definitely. Um, but I think in a club that would come off as quite aggressive. Yeah. Um, Whereas in a lecture, slabbing someone down. With
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Get off your phone, you tit. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> like that was very yeah, Alan Partridge.
0: Isn't
1: it? <laughs> 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 so yeah, there's a there's a different license in those two spaces, I guess.
0: Um. Uh, I usually ask on the podcast. Uh, Obviously, I I, I usually have, like, a set of uh, usual questions I kind of ask, but I thought I'd adapt them for you. Uh, Mm. uh, Though they might not work, I'm going to give it a go anyway. Uh, These are
1: the questions everybody gets.
0: Well, kind of. Like, I kind of pick and choose it. Uh, Usually, it's it's describe your act in three words, but I'm going to put describe your teaching style (laughs) in three words. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Obviously, any teacher thinks about that a lot. And what I'm realising... Is that my teaching style has become very changeable? It's very different in different contexts.
0: Okay, like pragmatic.
1: Yeah, maybe. But I, I think um, so. I've yeah, it's interesting talking to someone actually who I taught a, yeah. at an earlier stage of yeah. my teaching career, um, and through different stages yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so what I do now is a lot of a sort of. Managing big, complicated modules. Okay, yeah. And that requires a slightly different teaching style. So um, some of what I do, I actually am not involved with the with giving students information. I'm marginally involved with guiding their work. What I do a lot of is give them administrative information. Yeah, yeah. And that's obviously a very different style to when you're um, working as... Um, as you describe in sort of seminars, or certainly in um, in the master's level stand-up degree, where you present work and we talk about what you've done, um, that's a very different style. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really dependent on what's needed. I also realised that I am very I'm probably different with different yeah. age groups. Okay. Um, so it's a much different. Not age groups, sorry, year groups. Yeah. Uh,
0: is so it's a like. So do you have to kind of change, how how much do you have to change the tact between each year group? Mm. uh, Well, it sort
1: of occurred to me that, um, say with a first year lecture, you kind of assume that you've got people who are, in the first term of the first year, you kind of assume you've got people who are still trying to work out how all of this works. Yeah. And the main thing you need to be is reassuring. and Understanding of the fact that people may need information several times. So the, the thing you must be above all is friendly and approachable. Yeah. Um, and uniquely in those first few weeks, I think that comes above actually trying to oh, give anyone totally. information and make them learn <laughs> something. Because
0: uh, yeah, totally. Um, in fact, I remember vividly as you mentioned that because the, the first module for the drama was um, mon theatre, and um, in fact, uh, like I was very um, I I I moved from North Yorkshire to uh, University of Kent, and I knew no one here, mm-hmm. especially in the drama course as well. So I kind of had to. Uh, like just find my, my way a bit, and uh, in fact, at, at the drama party we discussed earlier, um, I was kind of like just kind of wandering around by myself with some white wine. Uh, I went for the I went for the free wine, uh, but uh, uh, like <laughs> a proper shooting, uh, <laughs> uh, and I went there, and um, I was kind of like uh, and. Uh, out of nowhere, Ollie came, came up to me and just had a chat with me because uh, mm. he saw it by myself, mm. and I'll never forget that as well because he, he just kind of took time to have a chat with me. Uh, and that's Actually, yeah, that's what I, I think I might have heard about the, the Masters in stand-up. And also like yourself, and I remember Pablo being quite um, friendly as well. Mm. Uh, and just, like yeah, that, that made such an impression on me. It made mm. me so ease into the module. Yeah. And I think that's why I enjoyed the module so much as well. Mm. It was very really interesting. Um,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, that, I think you have to remember that you, as a teacher, that but- that those small things can make a real difference. Oh, for totally. So you know, I also remember the lecturers who in my first week at university very mm-hmm. understand that you'd be looking because be, now everything's electronic and you can look up your own profile, and that's hard enough. But yeah. we used to—if you wanted to know your timetable, mm-hmm. it was all everyone's was posted on a notice board. Oh, wow! Oh so my you God. went so you kind of were supposed to know what modules you were doing. Mm-hmm. Difficult enough anyway. You had them, I think, only by code, so that's the digit that we give Ooh, them, not the yeah. title. And you had to go and then sort of work out where you were. Um, and I was joint honours as well, so I had to do that yeah. in a drama corridor. I must have had to do that in a history corridor as well, though I remember that less vividly. And then if you had a clash, that was the moment you would realise. Oh, and man. you would have to go and try and get that sorted out. Oh. I don't think it ever happened to me, actually. It was very, um, very efficiently done, but... But yeah, I mean the people who are just happy to help you <laughs> through that, or um, or yeah, who see that you're by yourself and, and come and chat to you. I mean, it, it's easy to forget as a teacher that when you spend probably a disproportionate amount of your time dealing with um, dealing with either things that have gone wrong for somebody, or or just the, the mechanics of getting you know getting a lesson plan together, getting things taught. That all of those other things that happen outside are important yeah. and that they're good.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's a very lovely answer. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 nice that um, uh, yeah, yeah yeah you can kind of tell the kind of person the let you there's some people who are like kind of a bit more blasé, but I can tell like mm. the people who do actually care as well. So it's mm. it's nice. Well, that's good to hear because I yeah. think the
1: other thing you can sometimes I'll show you behind the veil as you were mentioning before. Uh, yeah. but what can happen is that you that you only hear about things that are going wrong because the student is much. More likely to tell you if they have a problem mm-hmm. or if they dislike something you've done.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. If yeah. Gone
1: well for them, um, so I think we all sometimes feel a little bit demoralised by
0: that. Well, yeah, I, I totally um, get that. Um, yeah. But in fact, I remember a moment uh, which I, I'm not sure if it was significant for you, but I remember. Uh, I think it was Iron Texas Theatre or some uh, one of the modules uh, you talked about stand up and you mentioned a certain comedian who uh, I thought I'd check out and in, uh, in my, the start of my second year uh, you mentioned Mark Thomas I was like oh he seems interesting I'll check him out he did the hundred acts of Iron descent at the Goldbank Theatre and I saw you there as well and um, I mentioned uh, that you inspired me to buy the ticket mm-hmm. kind of thing and I, I don't know I just I felt like. That was one of those uh, moments which I felt quite a positive thing, where you actually yes, yeah, uh, had a positive influence. Uh. I don't want to say I'm your best student, but I, uh, I'm i certainly <laughs> up there. Oh, you're up there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's the reason I'm doing this podcast, for validation, okay?
1: <laughs> you mentioned to any other students listening to this, like, I love you all equally. But,
0: but uh, I uh, off the record, uh, I've, I've, just, <laughs> I've just paused the mic. Uh, yeah, you, you can just speak freely now. Yeah, it's whatever. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah,
1: you asked about teaching stuff, it's something I've realised during the... But it's the process of kind of of, of realising that different situations need me to be a bit different, mm-hmm. um, and of course you don't get that right all of the time. <laughs> um, but but, but realising that is, um, I think as well. I used to be a bigger personality as a teacher. Oh really? I used to um, I, I used to really feel like I was putting on more of a show. Maybe I ought to do more of something. I felt about being the kind of having the kind of charisma that. It, that I felt at least was sort of filling a room was that it enabled my students to be too passive. And actually, as I kind of piped down a bit, yeah, they, the, it brought better work out of them. I'm not sure if it if it was as fun for them, <laughs> yeah, um, but but yeah, was like it's it's finding that balance. And actually, it's finding that balance with every. Definitely. group of students. Mm-hmm.
0: Usually, uh, it's just uh, kind of uh, a. That is the most dismissive question, but you gave a really good answer, so am, I'm very surprised. <laughs> you mean
1: I've rambled on? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, what
1: you were looking for was three words.
0: <laughs> uh, I was, but that was a far better answer. Uh, but, so thank you. Um, but obviously. Uh, as you teach uh, a comedy, you must see a lot of students perform like stand-up mm. and stuff like that. So I, I, I would love to ask you: What's the weirdest thing you've seen on stage? Like, it could be a student gig, uh, uh, mm. or it could be a, or anything.
1: I don't know, really. I think I think there's different ways of being weird. So yeah, we've had um, some really good surrealists, and of course, yeah. what they do is if I was to describe it, yeah. it's really, really yeah, weird. Yeah. Um, but if it's sort of done within the, you know, everyone understands that what we're looking at is surrealism yeah. then it's not, it doesn't yeah, read as yeah. weird It is in, in as context yeah.
0: um,
1: so in a way the weirdest stuff is, it could be, I'm like, just struggling to think of anything really, obviously I've seen lots of things that are very exciting and lots of things that are sort of that really kind of uh, push the envelope for me mm-hmm. but I would say probably the things that have read as weird as yeah. such well, uh, th- uh, could be quite pedestrian things, just presented in a way that doesn't make any sense.
0: Ah, uh, well, it could be. Well, you can answer the question any way you want. Mm. It could be stuff that pushes the envelope, or mm. yeah, it could be uh, just something you've like oh, mm. that's strange. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I it's just
1: you can't. You just can't out weird a drama lecturer. Really, <laughs> I think that's the thing. So I've, I have students sometimes say to me, "Oh, you know, how far can I go? Can I do this?" Yeah. And usually, what they want to do. Is you know, doesn't strike. Oh, I said, sound really demoralizing for any student listening to this, but it's you, you it's, I think you've the important the thing is that it's odd to them, yeah, you know, that, yeah. that it feels um, really experimental and exciting to them, and it will do to the audience if that's you know, mm. if that's kind of justified. But I think, you know, sometimes have, it's, nudity is a classic one. Yeah, yeah, we, we have a lot of naked yeah. in the drama degree. Not, <laughs> not compulsory. In fact, if anything, we're trying to keep, get students often to keep their clothes on. But, but it, it's not it's unusual for there to be some nudity um, in student work. H-
0: so, how, how many naked students per <laughs> term do you get? Well, I,
1: because of the stand-up, I get less. But um, I think I've had maybe a couple of students this year come and talk to me about not about getting naked, actually, but how naked can I get? And, but the thing about nudity in drama... So this is probably, like, odd for your podcast. I <laughs> um, so the thing about nudity is it's kind of... It has to be carefully managed because... Well, to borrow Ollie's <laughs> phrase, nudity is very distracting. Yeah. And um, it's not necessarily the best decision. It's certainly not the most... Out, it's not as outrageous... Mm-hmm. Often to the audience as it feels to the performer. Yeah. Um, so actually, I remember having conversations this year with students about, um, okay, what you want to do is signal that you're doing something very subversive with your decision to wear or not wear clothes. Yeah. And actually, being naked or scantily clad isn't the best way of doing that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, being a being a man wearing stockings is. In some context, more subversive than being yeah. a man wearing nothing.
0: I think there should be a drama project where uh, all the drama students get on stage. They're fully clothed, and that's the subversive. Yeah, it's a drama <laughs> students we get shoot, uh, clothes on all year. Uh, <laughs>
1: Keeping um, your togs on. Yeah, I mean, it kind of should say as well. It's also um, sometimes a, a, a good strategy. You know, I'm not. Um, I'm not in any way saying that all that work where a student's been naked has just been really distracting. Um, because that is that definitely isn't the case, but um, but yeah, you're asking me about about crazy stuff. So yeah. I think UGT is an example of that, where someone says, "Oh, this is going to be really outrageous." I'm going to get naked. An and I think, well, of course, that's going to be outrageous to you. You've, yeah, you've never taken your kit off in front of a hundred strangers before. Yeah, but it might not read as outrageous to the audience. And I think for me, the most exciting thing is working with people who can really feel themselves um, pushing beyond what's normal yeah outside you know people working outside of their comfort zone I, mean, yeah. I always feel like if 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 that's something you want to do and it feels really significant to you that is significant mm-hmm. um and that generally students students doing something that isn't too familiar to them yeah a definite i mean whether it works or not are definitely getting an awful lot out of it that that's always a way of making a lot of progress so, yeah, that's probably a disappointing answer to no, you. No, no, it's okay. I yeah. could think of lots of things that were quite exciting, but nothing that, I could, that was really, really odd.
0: Uh, it, well, anything that was exciting you saw on stage?
1: <laughs> uh, so, uh, one thing I remember just really making the audience quite, quite crazy was a student who, I'll have to name a student, I hope he doesn't mind, uh, Ben Ridge. Who did an uh, act called? I think it was the Christmas cunt.
0: Did you see this? <laughs> well, so, did you see this? I didn't see this. I no, but I, I think I've heard you talk about on. this before.
1: <laughs> and he did, he, it was just extraordinary. So he, at great risk to his own safety, I thought. Yeah. Uh, he did. He climbed on a table, but he nearly genuinely, I think, nearly fell off that table. And um, he, he was like in his pants and had tinsel in the like strategic area. In, like, on his groin yeah. and he was like bending over his actual mother <laughs> shouting are you proud of me mum and mean that's just you know the, the, there's not often I guess what I'm getting at with the thing about to is there's not often a, a genuine taboo to be broken but that kind of seemed to do it I yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. so yeah
1: I remember, I remember that as a very kind of like yeah thing where I was like oh, yeah that's unusual <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so obviously with the NA, you have a lot of um uh, part of the uh the course is uh, for 12 weeks you're writing new material every week mm-hmm. and performing so you do get some odd things coming out because uh, yeah. obviously uh, you're uh, really scraping the barrel at some points uh, uh but yeah so have, uh, does that often happen like that? not like that but do uh, extreme kind of uh stand-up circumstances happen uh and especially with the experimental. Uh,
1: mm-hmm study because on the on the one hand it's a very high pressured environment you're having to produce material really fast, but on the other hand it's it's set up to be a safe environment yeah so yeah. those twelve gigs are to a friendly student audience often oh, the same they are. people often yeah. um, often not always but often um drama students have congregated at the front to kind of really yeah. support the acts so, i mean that that's that's the intention is that this is the kind of really safe place so in that sense no matter how odd and outrageous the thing you're doing you're doing it in a very safe mm-hmm. place um, and actually it's the, the it's the kind of taking it out to open mic spots and things that is the riskier and I mean the, 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 to my the sadness that's something that it isn't appropriate for us to really be involved in yeah, you know yeah. you, that's where the student is supposed to be going off and doing their own thing and our presence there is just ruinous Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I think in that sense, the most, the the very most risky and outlandish things we kind of can't be party to. But we yeah. sometimes get someone come back and say, "Oh well, I took my uh, you know my um, hmm. my lefty drag act about loving Jeremy Corbyn. That's invented. That's not Yeah, a, yeah. I, I took my uh, my drag act about being Jeremy Corbyn's lover to the,
0: the yeah
1: the UKIP festival yeah,
0: <laughs> so, yeah. how was that <laughs> there's always a few there's always a yeah. few
1: people um a few of people sort of doing a gig that doesn't fit them
0: yeah oh well but I I was I uh I did a podcast record uh with Ollie yesterday and mm. uh afterwards we had a chat and um but in that time uh, although I didn't stand up before that um that was in that time I really kind of um I, I threw a lot of shit at the wall, but in terms of like, I was trying to develop uh, a lot of stuff, and uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I haven't actually mentioned this on the podcast before, but I, um, I there was one time, and it was a character I, I was obsessed with, I did Pastor Pete, who was just who kind of created the Yeah, set. Pastor Pete, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He pushes the envelope in many ways. I liked Pastor Pete. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be the only person, but like...
1: <laughs> I, I think Pastor Pete was a like... Acquired text taste but i think you intended yeah to well,
0: be. well the, the the idea is um that i am um, uh i glued pasta onto me i had a pasta colander uh i i, I had like a, a jacket and like a topless underneath i had pasta strapped all over me and i just made pasta puns and I would, mm. uh, I would dance around the stage just singing pasta pete uh, uh and yeah uh for the thing is like um uh, though that was intense and it was weird uh, it was also quite a liberating moment for me as a mm-hmm. comedian because uh, it's actually before that I was so stuck up with doing material I would, I, I would go into the workshop just reading off uh, this big red book and uh, the things I've written down and it wouldn't be funny because I'm just not performing it mm-hmm. and that kind of like kind of broke the chains of uh, mm-hmm. performance wise so I kind of got up and started dancing around yeah. and uh, <laughs> I threw pastor at people uh, I gave out pastor to the audience uh, it it's probably one of the best ten minutes of my life. So. <laughs> well, but
1: I think that's that's exactly what I mean. You did something out of your comfort zone. You shook up the way you normally work. And regardless of how successful you feel it to be, I as I say, I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Thank I think I think even if that had gone down to silence, which it didn't, um, and had not achieved any of the things you thought it would, the fact of doing it would have been yeah really significant. Now I also appreciate that. um as advi- if you know, that can't really be taken as advice to <laughs> yeah. people who might be thinking, Well, how can I shake up what I do to say so will do something that you think you'll fail at? Because of course there's a massive emotional cost associated with doing something that that really fails. Mm-hmm. I think what's quite nice, I hope I mean I can't know, of course, but what I hope is quite nice about the MA stand up in that that monkey shine gig mm-hmm. context is that you can't. Um, if you fail there, it's a relatively safe place to fail oh, because yeah. everyone will cluster around you and say, "Oh, don't worry about it." Everyone understands that this is for an assessment, and sometimes things go wrong. Well sometimes things go badly. They yeah. know that you're experimenting. They're educated yeah. in the notion of experimentation yeah. because they're, you know, mainly university students, and in one way or another, yeah. in their own discipline,
0: they've got it, that. It's a nice. Well, it's a. Um, it's a. It's an educational way to die as well, because if mm. you do. Um, Mess up, yeah. There's always a reason for it as well. Mm-hmm. Always, and people always go, "Well, you need to, this is a thing in each other." And yeah, and, uh, yeah so it, was a, it was always a lovely place, um, and I hope mm-hmm. it kind of picks up again because it's mm-hmm. a lovely gig as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then you all uh, go into a room and dissect it. I, I sometimes wonder uh, if you've done really not done really badly, but if you've if it hasn't been a well-received act i sometimes wonder how oh, much it yeah, to talk about uh, it uh, yeah without, well, i hope it at least yeah it's you know, sometimes
0: um the tension was quite oh mm. because well, what yeah a normal gig you can kind of tell if you've done quite badly if um if if you're kind of in the bar afterwards and people are diverting their eyes kind of thing mm. you know you've done not that well yeah. but if you literally have to talk about it afterwards it's mm. kind of like um, yeah uh, and obviously you want to be as supportive as possible, but you, you don't also want to you don't want to pull the plaster off, so to speak mm-hmm. as well uh, but then again um it the thing you need to know is that it does happen to everyone now and and when before we start the module all he said you're gonna fall on your arse and die at mm-hmm. some point so and that's you're not going to smash it every mm-hmm. time um but yeah um, so um Obviously, you see a lot of stand-up for your um, uh, your job. Uh, so, what was the last uh, live gig that you saw live?
1: Uh, the last thing I saw live was last week on election night. In fact, oh, I saw which which didn't come up really. Um, <laughs> I saw Bridget Christie. Oh, wow. Doing a work in progress for her radio show.
0: Oh, we, oh yeah. Was that, um, what's the radio show about? Is it?
1: Uh... Um, it's about trying to find happier ways of. Living, so it's a series where she'll okay. be. Um, hopefully, it's five to Like, well, yeah, because she's doing public gigs, and um, so um, she's uh, talking about different the, the, the world being a difficult place to inhabit. Yeah, <laughs> really so well you right now, and um, you know, maybe I would be happier if I tried this or this or this. So, yeah, for example, um, she has spoken to a nun about whether she'd be happier if she removed herself
0: from the yeah. world into a nunnery. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's really cool. And uh, did you um, did you enjoy it? Was a good night? Uh, it
1: was, yeah. And I, I, I really enjoy a work-in-progress gig. Yeah. Um, but partly because I'm interested in the mechanics and they're kind of oh, evident. Yeah. There. Um, or in the case of uh, watching Tony Law do a work-in-progress gig, they're, they're not at all evident. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah i got to say, Tony Law. <laughs> but, but you Wait. can
1: tell something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that was that was really interesting. Um, it was interesting to watch her handle the the two things that one everyone is obsessed by the fact that an exit poll is going to come out during yeah, the gig. Yeah. So it started at nine thirty in the evening, finished at ten thirty. Exit yeah. poll, obviously, going to yeah. be right in the middle of that. Um, and of course, we all went into the gig thinking there was going to be the massive Tory mm. majority that oh, they yeah. called the election, yeah. the election war, and uh, left the gig and everyone's yeah. phones just pop yeah. up with
0: like I'm it." <laughs> <laughs> I um, uh and he, Nduyev he was uh, running a gig called uh, Fuck the Election mm. uh, uh, on the election night and uh, uh so basically just political communion just doing the stuff yeah. uh, and uh and halfway through the gig, uh, uh, they, uh, this guy comes up on stage over uh, one of the acts. He goes, Guys, it's a home following an And everyone's like, yeah! yeah. It's a magnificent well, it's, thing. It's, it's
1: extraordinary. Yeah. It's extraordinary to... I think, um, in a way, one of the reasons for going to a lefty comedian but for me to, to go to a lefty comedian um on that particular day it was just the sense of yeah <laughs> it would be nice to be with others yeah, yeah. it's quite a good healing thing yeah after all, the last the, one you yeah. know to kind of be among um friends people. yeah well, being be, be a, a kind of community of people yeah. who all have roughly the same feelings about it and not feel kind of isolated and yeah. marginalized uh, but, but really, what the gig was, what the, the, the function it had to serve was um, Bridget Christie um, essentially read his readings yeah. rather than um, yeah. than kind of off the cuff reading through her um, yeah her, her two of her um, episodes. Um, so that was that was really lovely and really I mean they're they're really nicely formed yeah.
0: episodes as well.
1: So and are,
0: are you a big fan of uh, Bridget Christie's work? Yeah, uh, yeah say I yeah. Mean,
1: because of her because of her. Um, Reluctance, or, or ha- what has been reluctance to commit anything to video or, yeah. <laughs> or well, certainly to be on YouTube.
0: Well, uh, she, uh, <laughs> she, she has released um, on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Her, yeah, that's uh, why I say, like,
1: her, yeah. what we, I don't want to sort of claim she's never um, done anything on video before, but uh, she clearly uh, has.
0: A fun um, fact, by the way, yeah. um, I'm actually sat at the front of that gate, can you see me? There's a guy uh, about 15 minutes in, um, she does the routine about you can't pick up a man's pen and she kind of drops it on the floor. Mm. Uh and uh, you go, oh, there's a man in the front row. Can you pick it up? It's my friend Ravi. Ah. And uh, he wasn't meant to do it, but he got up and it's like he offered to help. It's like no, that's never happened before. And, uh, and you can kind of see me kind of trolling along. But mm-hmm. so yeah, it's ah. a fun little fact. Well, yeah, that's the reason
1: not... for me to get Netflix. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> so list of modern technologies I refuse to
0: engage with. Oh. So are you not? Uh, are you not a streaming? Uh, are you not a streamer person? Oh,
1: I just things on a computer. Yeah. I have Amazon Instant.
0: Okay. Amazon. Uh, this is very technical. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but, but I don't have, for example, a smartphone.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, is there any particular reason for that, or is it just? Uh,
1: um, I being uh, tremendously antisocial and disliking the <laughs> idea that the world might be able to get
0: to me when, yeah. <laughs> when I'm out. Well, it is. It is strange because, like, um, we are slowly delving into like an Orwellian future of like everyone's mm-hmm. listening to their smartphones and stuff like that. And what what seemed like a crazy notion like twenty years ago, if someone goes, "They're listening to your phones. They can hack onto your computer. It's yeah. Like, yeah, crazy. But now it's just like, yeah, but that's what. Theresa May's done so that's nice yeah, uh, yeah anyways let's not go too political yeah. this. but yeah what, what other like um, uh, left wing comedians um, are you a big fan of as well hmm.
1: do you have something um, this is again not answering your actual question I do <laughs> you're you're, a, it's, it's like like you're Frost talking Nixon to Theresa right yeah. <laughs> Uh okay so something that is of interest to me at the moment in uh, the book I'm currently writing
0: oh you're writing a new it's, book yeah a mini mini book oh fantastic a
1: little, a little book um Say by which I mean it's like three chapters long rather than eight chapters long.
0: Yeah. Um, That's really cool, though. Uh, um, what's the, the book got a
1: title? Yeah, <laughs> it's a very a, weird title. It has, <laughs> it has a working title that may or may not stick, but it's um, uh, not something I can immediately remember. Um, uh, the, the new alternative stand-up comedy in the twenty-first century, and the idea is that um, whereas a lot of scholarship draws quite rightly on the alternative comedy revolution of the late 1970s and the 1980s um, as the kind of the moment at which conventions are laid down. A lot of scholarship is about that period mm-hmm. um, and about comedy as a response to Thatcherism and all those sorts of things. Actually, we've got a generation of comedians who who grew up in a different context, who have totally. the foggiest memories of, yeah. of that. Um, and the, the, the way the industry, society and politics have changed... Um, Means that we have a, a profoundly different um, mm-hmm. era of comedy now, a different stage in comedy's evolution.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and it's about that. So one of the things I'm kind of interested in is the is the very dominant narrative about a comedy all being really left wing.
0: Yeah. Because
1: I think if you unpack that as regards to mainstream comedy, I think yeah, you very very few comedians say, oh, I'm I'm a right wing voter or. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the mainstream, you don't get the things we used to associate with right-wing comedy. So yeah. like the kind of Roy Chubby Brown, of Mann, racism yeah, and, yeah. and the sexism and that kind of thing. That's not... I mean, Roy Chubby Brown is still yeah. out there touring and everything. Yes, that. um, But that's not really... If, if that's what you're looking for is right-wing comedy, then no, you're not going to find that on um, mainstream broadcasters. Yeah. Um, but you might get... Um, Jimmy Carr who uh, I, I absolutely believes a lovely person so there's no offense to Jimmy Carr but yeah. you might absolutely get Jimmy Carr making jokes about um, Rachel Riley that are
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: distinctly yes. this is a, talk about 8 out of 10 cats does countdown regardless of whether you think they're okay and whether she's okay with them or whatever then they're definitely not left wing yeah, it, it is yeah. emphatically yeah. not left wing to um, kind of yeah, make sort of sexual comments about your co-worker yeah. on telly
0: yeah, and there's, uh, obviously the the point is that it's very grotesque as well. Mm. He goes very visceral in his imagery as well. Uh, but, well, Jimmy Carr's an interesting case because he kind of doesn't think of it as a politicised thing. Just he thinks in terms of, is it funny? And he puts it out there. But again, it, it, it's it's interesting because um, it isn't a left-wing joke, uh, but far from it. Uh, so that would be very interesting to kind of mm-hmm. see your take on that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, um, i did have a follow-up question as well which was really intellectual um i have to edit this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Split that my mind. Uh, um, oh yeah that that was here's the point yeah uh, then there there is a comedian uh he's doing an a fringe show called i want to make you tory uh, and it's, it's it's a it's a show about uh, him being a tory voter and quite mm-hmm. a a vivid one as well uh and trying to it's trying to, kind of kind of to break away from the mainstream of the left wing, mm. uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like a, a purposefully mm. right wing show. Yeah. as well, so.
1: but see, I don't, I don't know this guy's work, so I don't. Yeah. Uh, I'm not commenting on him. I'm commenting in general. Um, but it seems like because of that narrative that comedy is all really lefty, and, and there are aspects where that's true. I think, and aspects where it's not true. I think that has opened up a niche, a kind of gap in the market for people who will happily brand themselves as right wing comedians mm-hmm. or. Or at least as not a left-wing comedian, which yeah. seems to be Andrew Lawrence's, for example. Oh yeah. Oh god. Stamp yeah. Stamp. Yeah. I don't think of myself particularly right-wing, but you know, here are reasons why I'm not like those lefties. Yeah. What what I want to do with that in terms of sort of analysing and writing about it is just say so we we'll just hang on. Like let's not start from the assumption that everything is in practice mm-hmm. um, as you know crazily lefty and you know political correctness gone now. Yeah. As yeah. as we. Are told to assume. Let's just interrogate that narrative. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, there's definitely kind of there seems to be a bit of a niche opening up for people who who want to provide an alternative voice. I'm just very keen that we're clear about what you're providing an alternative voice to. Yeah. Because I think that will that will be a much more productive conversation about about what the alternative looks What's a helpful alternative? What's a not helpful alternative? Yeah.
0: As I say, I'll be very interested in like seeing this all opened up uh, in your yeah. book as well. Uh, I'll be
1: very interested in seeing what I write about uh, it as well. <laughs>
0: are, you, are you like a student? Like you're like, oh shit, the publisher's <laughs> deadline! I've got to do it. Like two cans of Red Bull, a lot of coffee, bam, 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 twelve thousand words one night, bam. Uh, yeah, well, not quite.
1: But um, I am quite. My personal target is to get that particular chapter drafted by the end of this month, and that wow. feels quite um,
0: huge. Uh, how long is the chapter? Uh, Uh,
1: About nine thousand
0: words. Oh wow! Oh my god. Yeah,
1: it's long for a chapter because it's a sort of book that's framed as three chapters. That's why it's going to be like that. But But, yeah, so yeah, I I I, I wait with bated breath to see whether I can get this down.
0: (laughs) well i'm sure you'll uh, give it uh it'll be good uh, but uh, so uh, obviously you, you've written a book before why Up mm-hmm. matters um, mm-hmm. and it's a very amazing book oh, yeah i in fact uh, i uh, it was for 2015 oh uh, the year it came out i uh, i asked for it for my christmas present so uh, uh <laughs> so, so and it was my first uh, it was, i think it was one of my main presents so i was like oh, yes really? i got it yeah uh, yeah so it was, it was oh, really it's, it's a great book uh, and uh uh, and that, was that book kind of based off your PhD?
1: Yes, um, very closely in fact. So it was more... Quite often with a PhD it's not written to be a book. And I think I naively just had read lots more books than PhD theses. Yeah. So uh, so wrote my thesis like a book because that yeah. was the model that was in my head. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was more a matter of cutting things out than substantially uh, redoing it. Um which to, which a lot of people do have to do, yeah.
0: and um, for the purposes of the listener, what was the kind of focus of this book, and what were you trying to tackle mm. academically in stand up?
1: Um. Okay. So, <laughs> the, the, yeah, as with anything, there was a bit of a journey to it. So, I think I had two interests from the start, though. But I think I, I started not aware that they were related, and and. Uh, no sorry yeah I started thinking they're related I finished thinking they're related but they separated and came back together again. yeah so uh, one was the idea that um, comedy it can be spoken of interpreted as manipulation so if the purpose of the craft is to get an audience reacting together um, and laughing together then there's going to be a layer of manipulation not in the yeah. evil sense yeah. but in yeah. the kind of in the same sense that uh, Potter manipulates their clay yeah um which isn't uh, necessarily the most flattering. Put Harry Potter there for a <laughs> <laughs> I was like, That's a weird. I no, like, that. Very right. much like Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. actually, the, the Potter manipulators of clay is maybe not the most flattering analogy for um, bright switched-on yeah. <laughs> comedy audiences, which is what comedy audiences are. But um, uh, so yeah, it, it was it was about thinking about okay, so that that is a form of manipulation, and also saying okay, why well, I, I observe um, circumstances in which. Audiences seem to to let their guard slip. So even in an overtly political gig where we all know that we are there for the purpose of um, supporting a particular ideology, like we know the comedians are lefty, we're lefties, mm-hmm. we, we agree or disagree yeah. with particular things they say, but we all know that we're part of the same ideological pool. That um, within that, it was possible for jokes to be used to kind of... Um, sweep debate aside Mm -hmm. in a way that audiences didn't seem to be completely familiar with so you could have something that formed the logical basis of the whole argument of the show that actually wasn't particularly well justified so there's a kind of again a a difference between how you can... um, I guess it's something that, yeah, that I noticed with, or or have noticed. I've gone along is the sort there's of, a key difference between lecturing, yeah, so purposefully giving people yeah. a rigorous kind of argument and um, stand up where you're allowed to to just kind of sweep things aside. But the effects um, in terms of getting people to buy into a particular political argument seem to be really um, profound.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, and then the, related to that was the the thought about. Um, okay what is the social impact of comedy like what how does it change how people I think I, what I was interested in is how the individual thinks mm-hmm. um, and and whether you know other people have had the experience I had of actually becoming quite politicized through comedy and that shaping some of my political yeah. views um, and so that was one thing but then there was also the kind of idea of okay does comedy mm-hmm. make a difference to the world um, and what I Realised on that latter point um, is that we don't yet know how to ask the right questions. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, people kind of sometimes say, "Well, there were people taking the piss of Donald Trump, and yeah. he still got elected." You're sort of thinking, "Well, but yeah. that's not that's yeah, <laughs> not yeah, quite the, yeah. that's not the thing to look at." Yeah, because we a, can't yeah. know if there hadn't been those people taking the mic, we can't know what yeah. would have happened. We can't it's know terrible. what the world would lo- look like if there had never been art. Yeah, we, we don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think what we can say is that those people provide a, a point of focus for opposition. They they raise awareness and questions about. Um, in this case, we're talking about Trump, but it could be anything. Yeah. Um, they kind of raise awareness and question the authority of these people. I think um, you know they they unpick mm-hmm. or draw attention to some of the manipulations that that that, that say, Trump is is putting forward himself so yeah i mean how awful would it be to live in a world where nobody takes any of these things to task nobody notices these things uh-huh. and how great to live in a world where people can do that through humor which clearly in trump's case mm-hmm. upsets him a lot more yeah. than, than kind of you know, hard hard meant criticism he doesn't yeah. like people taking the nick of him and yeah. that's significant in itself obviously all of this has happened after I wrote the book, yeah, 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 there are the examples in the book, but yeah. that's that's the kind of um, thing that I was uh, I became interested in is kind of saying okay, what are the right questions to ask about how comedy matters? Yeah. So one of the things the book's been criticised for is uh, not providing a, like data analysis of okay, these people went to this gig and then they voted like this and all the rest that's of it.
0: Nice. Yeah. But
1: those are those are, I think exactly not how you work out. What yeah. the that, that, That's the argument of the book is that you don't do that.
0: But yeah that's a very intense data collection don't you think yeah, yeah. And, um,
1: yeah I mean one of the reasons that it that it, it's a diff- yeah it's a difficult strategy because it's expensive time consuming it would yeah. take yeah, because uh, actually opinions are, are, are things that the um change in matter over the course of years and lots of things feed into them so to look at yeah, the, yeah. The, you know the, being it's, a fan of this comedian and voting behavior is taking something in isolation that's much more complex yeah it's
0: like um it, you're looking at like it's like having a garden and you think the two flowers kind of uh, it but it's, it's about all the roots and the you can't yeah, it, exactly. it's, it's, it's like you can't can't take yeah. it all out you know? yeah
1: and things that are difficult to talk about like or to or to, to analyze in um in you know, any depth for your average gardener, you know, like the weather or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. the weather's a kind of... No, that's a really bad analogy, no, of course you it. can analyse the weather. Yeah, yeah there's a really good, <laughs> but I know um, what you mean. No, yeah, no. there's a really good article on why doctors get things wrong, um, which talks about, OK, the, the thing is, things that are really easy to predict are things that are like a melting ice cube. You know, if you get an ice cube hot enough, it melts. Yeah. That's straightforward. Yeah. But the human body, the sight of medicine, is more like a hurricane. There's so many different factors operating mm-hmm. that actually yeah. you can't reasonably form linear kind of this happens so this happens mm-hmm. kind of analogy. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't because the body is a hurricane, it's not an ice cube. Yeah. And I think um opinions and uh public opinion and sort of voting papers and things that are media and our politicians very unhelpfully encourage us to think of them as linear narratives. They try to repackage them so that they're easy, mm-hmm. but actually they're hurricanes. They're yeah. not easy to well, to think understand. We
0: are sold with um, like uh, little strap lines and stuff like that. Like, like little mm. um, um, uh, these little tidbits, but but without getting too political again. But like yeah, uh, the entirety of, um, of the the EU referendum, uh, it was this very. It's this complex and uh, uh, really like like it's a hard negotiation about whether the, the EU is such a big thing and uh, how it all feeds into everything and it was kind of whittled down to yes or no you know what I mean and it had no ramifications uh, yeah. uh, and and obviously um, a lot of people kind of mentioned well it's like people voted on their own terms for that one as well mm. uh, people kind of uh, uh, they didn't vote if they want to be in or out of the uh, uh, EU. They voted for we want less immigrants in, or they voted mm. for, uh, for a different kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so it's it's hard to kind of uh, yeah, it's uh, people are sold on different things, mm. and uh, and it's but they're, they're not really. Looking at the depth of things, yeah. i yeah.
1: that again with poll, like with understanding people's motivations for voting, we don't know, I mean, yeah. We, oh, we, yeah. All we know is that polling is often wrong, mm. so yeah, yeah, The <laughs> so yeah. so opinion polling is probably often wrong. And we, I mean, we can see through other kinds of evidence that there was uh, that um, disgruntlement with immigration was at least part of it, mm-hmm. we can see that, but I think it is. Profoundly unhelpful when either side of the argument. I mean, I was a Remain voter myself, but when either side of the argument tries to narrow it down to uh, tries to invent a, a simple narrative yeah, that covers yeah, everything, yeah. <laughs> and also that whole uh, that whole election was on the, so the referendum was on the basis of no information. Yeah, oh, and again, yeah. I think that's something really encouraging about the way that the vote went in the um, general election we just had, so the twenty seventeen general election. It's really useful to have just had it had a had a kicking for a prime minister who wouldn't mm-hmm. come in debate, who wouldn't talk, yeah. who wouldn't give yeah. people anything. But that. She just wanted everyone to think she was strong and stable, strong and stable, strong and stable. Which is a really unfortunate choice of phrase, strong and stable, yeah. because we can wobbly. Yeah, is an obvious like and in and sounds better yeah. and is more appealing. I mean, yeah. that was just badly it's, it's chosen. Way more British, isn't it? Yeah. Way more isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, but just the fact that the people who showed up to chat, yeah, um, did better. Yeah. And, you know, Corbyn's sort of um, style is not not adeptly rhetorical in the kind of in the sense of sound of producing a good soundbite. Yeah. He always wants to give a long answer yeah. to a question that requires one. And I think just to see that form of discourse do well, wherever you are on the political spectrum, surely you can... Appreciate that. That's a good thing. That a kicking for, for that that for, that the political class's way of talking. Yeah, is a really good thing.
0: Uh, one of my favourite uh, Lemmy sketches. Have you have you watched Lemmy's stuff? He's uh, like a surreal uh, class Swedish comedian. Mm. He does sketches. He's an amazing comedian. Uh, and uh, he has this sketch where he's like kind of a question time kind of thing. Uh, and there's this kind of respectful politician. And someone puts a hand up and goes, "Oh, I've got a question for such and such." Uh, excuse me, uh, do you reckon murder should be legal? And he's like, well, I, 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 it's a big question. He's like, no, it's a yes or no answer. Give me <laughs> <laughs> And he kind of makes him forces them. And it's a, it's a funny sketch as well. Mm. What we'll do is uh, I'll ask you a couple, um, just uh, some quickfire questions. Okay, uh, i remember what, what, these are
1: quickfire and I'll give you really long answers to- Uh
0: How many podcasts do you listen to? Uh, 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 have you, uh, have you, are you a fan of podcasts? Or is that yeah, a- no, I
1: am. Um, I, I then much like the reasons I don't have a smartphone I don't (laughs) don't keep up with anything um, in the way that I would like to Um, so for example I won't walk and listen to a podcast i to be able to hear whether a car is going to (laughs) hit me but but, yeah um, what podcasts have I got Um, so I listen to Comedians Comedian um, uh, Ruhunstapa sometimes and also, like, I, I, I quite like a uh, science podcast from the BBC. Oh, lovely. I enjoy a BBC science podcast.
0: Like, you, you have uh, excelled on my taste so although, well, Yeah, that's, uh, yeah actually,
1: so I, I say I don't keep up with them um, but because I, I've been insomniac and I find science chat um, good to get me to sleep, not meaning any disrespect yeah, yeah, to the people who make them, but it just is. Um, so yeah, I'm actually quite good at keeping up with things like um, inside science and yeah. uh, uh, crowd science.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> uh that's awesome uh, uh yes, yeah, so uh where, when do you reckon your book will be out and uh cool. where, where can people kind of uh, like follow you and whatnot uh, <laughs> whoever will follow me. Oh, no, no, i following. Mean
1: follow i'm that. unfollowable <laughs> <laughs> the whole activity on my uh facebook account is um my birthday just every year there's a little bit of activity because i've had a birthday
0: <laughs> you've <laughs> had a birthday, <laughs> <So> <laughs> birthday like I accidentally it. i think had a birthday yeah. um but, uh, so, but people
1: people can contact me via the University of Kent, I suppose. Yep,
0: uh, and also they can buy your book, uh, Why Stand Up Matters. Why
1: Stand Up Matters, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Please do, it would be nice yeah. to feel that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you need <laughs> no, to it's eat. Sold, so... It's sold
1: all right, but uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's really nice to feel uh, that people uh, are reading
0: stuff. And it is a genuinely fascinating book as well. Um, so, thank you so much, and um, yeah, uh, thank you.
1: Oh, thank you for being interested in talking to a boring academic.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect way to finish. <laughs> That was Dr. Sophie Quirk. Thank you so much, Sophie, for coming on to the podcast. Um, yeah, it was a really delight to record, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to do something different as well. Uh, this Obviously, this podcast is a bit strange and unusual, but I really enjoy the opportunity to do something different with it, and the best thing about doing a podcast is having the freedom to choose to uh, interview who I really, really uh, look up to and i'm inspired by and sophie's one of these people she really inspires me to think about comedy as opposed to just um just be asinine and do stupid things on stage uh (laughs) she kind of gives me more credit i suppose and you can follow me on uh facebook and twitter uh, at matt hoss comedy uh, and you can follow the podcast at Com pod on twitter and facebook and you can give us some uh, ratings on and r- ratings and reviews on iTunes. Possibly five stars. Um, possibly four if you hate me. Uh, <laughs> um, or three stars if you want to cut off my fingers. Two stars if you're my mum. One star. Just five stars would be nice. Just forget I said the rest. Really. Just give us five stars on uh, on iTunes. That'd be greatly appreciated. And we'll be back relatively soon with another drunk compod. Um, With the drum compound, uh, essentially we there's kind of like a first batch which I kind of recorded, and that's pretty much done. There's a couple episodes I'm kind of keeping behind for rainy days, but as of the next month, we're going to have some really really interesting ones, and the next couple episodes are really where the podcast itself really starts taking off and i'm very much excited about that so keep in touch uh, send us a message on twitter and uh share it with your friends as well why not what we've got to lose friends i doubt it you're a nerd Ha! deal with it bye i'm Matt horse see you soon check it out